He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello and welcome to week 47 of a Good Talk Spoiled God podcast. I'm Bobby Donnelly and I'm joined by Barry and Alan this week. Hey guys. Hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Um, how are we all keeping everyone well? Yeah, very good. Very good. Same old. Yeah, exactly. Um, I might. We, if for people who are listening, you may hear rain in the background because we're getting a lot of rain at the moment, and the, so you may hear the bit of a background noise. But hopefully, it's not too bad. It's, uh, November in Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Very standard. I was actually thinking. I'm surprised we haven't faced this problem uh, before. But anyway, yeah. Um, it's because we're recording on a Wednesday, not a Tuesday. And Wednesday's a rainy day, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it must be. It. Uh, it's beautiful over here in Sweden. You you getting a good bit of snow? Uh, no, not since last week, but okay. no rain, no. Okay, very good. Okay, well, listen, let's move on. Um, good bit of bits and pieces to talk about uh, this week. A um, few kind of notable uh, news items. Uh, first of all, um, a bit of local news in terms of uh, looking at the courses in Ireland. Um, there was Global Golf Awards uh, night on uh, in the last couple of days in the Algarve. And one of the notable things to come out of it is that the best golf course uh, for Ireland was nominated as Waterville. Um, so if any of you who don't know Waterville, you should, have it, you should look it up. But it got, got voted as Ireland's best golf course. Alan, you played Waterville before. It's a cracking golf course, isn't it? Yeah, we both would have played it a number of times now. Mm. It's, it's, it's actually my favourite course in Ireland. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, uh, I would actually put it ahead of the likes of Ballybunion and... In the hinge and all these kind of ones, um, I think it's a cracking course. It's 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 a tough course, but it's actually very fair. Yeah, so I always remember the story about. Um, it's obviously a links course for the listeners who, for some listeners who wouldn't be aware. And I always remember the story about Tiger. Now it could be one of those old wives' tales <laughs> where I think the second hole is it's index one, I think, and it's about four eighty par four. And I think Tiger went down and played it the first time he played Waterville, and it was downwind, and he hit driver sandwich. And he said, this is the easiest par four I've ever played. And he went out the next day and it was into the wind. And he hit driver three wood and he was about 30 yards short of the green or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, he got a, I, think he got, I think it was a bit of an eye-opener into the world of links for him. Yeah, exactly. You, that's probably one, a great on, course. That's one on your bucket list, I'd say, where he's Massively it? up there, yeah. And anybody I've talked to, kind of, it kind of flies under the radar a little bit. You know, you've got the, the famous, like, Baddy Bunyan and the Hinch always seem to get the headlines a little bit more, but, um, anybody I've heard that has gone down and played, it's just, their, their eyes kind of glaze over and just, yeah. this, this, um, a big smile breaks out in their face. So, definitely, um, if I'm down on the southwest coast, we'll be in the swing. Yeah, there was a few other notable things. So the K Club got Ireland's best golf hotel. Um, then Europe's best new golf course is Quinta de Lago North Course. And that's just been redesigned. Paul McGinley got golf personality. Excuse me, uh, Peter Alice got lifetime achievement. Best golf hotel in the world was uh, Sawgrass uh, Marriott Golf Resort and Spa. 
So that's not a surprise, I suppose, if you, if you could stay there and play golf. It's a pretty good combo. But the one thing that I thought was interesting is best golf course, and this is worldwide, was given a St. Andrews Lynx old course. And for you regular listeners who listened, you would have known that we did a review uh, of the old course back in mid-March uh, when we went over there and played it. And I was a bit surprised to see that the um, that the old course was named as best golf course. Yeah, I, th- I think we all kind of came to the agreement that if it was by any other name, it's actually quite a forgettable golf course. Mm. Um, I, th- I think maybe, we were talking about this beforehand, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's more kind of the experience of actually playing it makes it that much more special. And an ordinary hole all of a sudden becomes an extraordinary hole because of the settings and the surroundings and you know being in that historic town. Um, it's certainly, um, I completely agree with what you were saying, it's one of the best golf trips I've ever been on. Mm. And for that reason, I can see why it's up there. Yeah. Um, if, if it was purely from a golfing point of view, it's, it's it doesn't get there at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely just based on the history, really, and kind of the, the fact that it's the home of golf. Yeah. Like, for me, of course, of course, like, Waterville would buy and sell St. Andrews. Yeah, yeah. I'd much rather play at Waterville than play at St. Andrews. But it's just, it's the history and it's the experience and the, and the town and stuff like that, I think, which probably got us. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. And, you know, I suppose yourself and myself, Alan, and two of the lads, we do pretty much a golf trip every year. And um, now I know we had a great time when we came over to play golf with you in Sweden and everything like that. But for me, the best golf trip that I've had in a long, long time was St. Andrews. So even though the course itself wasn't, and I think we, we were mentioning this, Barry, I think even though the course isn't spectacular, the actual day and the atmosphere and the crack we had was brilliant. So I, I wonder, is it that it's it's the best golf course to go and visit? That's what I kind of maybe thought yeah. that, that they should have given <laughs> probably helped as well that you smashed up St. Andrews or the old course that day. Well, that did help, yeah. On a nice old 73, 73 gross. Yeah, the fact that I didn't break 200 probably didn't uh, didn't uh, bring fond memories with me. Well, actually, while we're mentioning the uh, St. Andrews, Barry, you gave me a good recommendation to watch uh, Nick Doherty's diary. I think it's called a diary in the links or something. It's a on... Links, a links diary, yeah. A links diary, yeah. And... For I think for people who didn't hear back in March, we when we went, we had uh, a lot of novelty bets, and fairness, Alan came up with them, and you had to put twenty quid in the pot that everyone could obviously have a drink uh, later on. And the very and the two of the novelty bets were one of them was missing the fairway on the first because as Nick Doherty himself admits, it's probably one of the widest fairways in world golf. And similarly, then um, I think on the 18th we had a similar novelty bet, and then we had other stuff like if you were in the 17th, if you go into the 17th road hole, if you go onto the road yeah, in the burn, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, bearing this in mind, Nick Doherty would have had to cough up two penalties anyway. Sorry, one penalty. He said he played recently in the Dunhill Links, and he said he finished 59th, but he said he hit it out of bounds on the first playing it. And he said he hit it out of bounds on 18 in the same round, but it actually, it actually bounced back in bounds. Um, so I think that goes... That's, to a, double pen, that's a double penalty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when I kind of heard that, I was like, well, maybe his uh, his problems are there. And actually, I know we're going to come on to Q-Skill, but I think he's... Yeah, he's I, I, said, I said that explains his performance in the last few days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's, he's well out. He's, I think he got cut in, in Q-Skill. So. But it's a good, it's a good thing for, um, for people to, to have a watch on Sky. 
Um, next on the news, uh, some very good news, uh, Barry. Ricky Fowler um, has is going to play in the Irish Open in 2015. This is great. Like mm. how how the guys who organise this event must be doing cartwheels and to have Rory and Ricky there, and it's only going to pull more pro, big star names into it as well. Uh, it's probably going to be from. I'm. This is an Irish Open. I've been most excited about ever. Uh, what a course, Royal County Down, and the two boys battling it out. It's going to be brilliant, and it could ultimately will it set it up, Royal County Down, to get it back on the Open roster. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not too sure, but I, I think it shows anyway that. We speculated that the tournament is going. It's 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 going to. It's not sponsored. It's going to be in association with the Rory McIlroy Foundation, mm-hmm. and I think this is one of the benefits that we hoped is that it might drive is that a few of the other pros like you know Keegan Bradley, Ricky Fowler might turn up. So that's a good sign, and it'll de- definitely help. I mean, I think it should be a setup, no problem for all all four all five days until the practice. Yeah, even without Ricky, it would have been you know just I think because of the course itself, but uh, it shows the the real true star power Rory has now that his. Uh, his fe- he's got his own tournament, you know, he's hosting his own tournament. Yeah. yeah. I think the fact that it's only six or seven weeks before the British Open as well, I, 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 I'd be amazed if you don't see a lot more guys, uh, Rory, attracting a lot more names over for that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think is only the start of it. I think you get I think you get a good few more. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I was wondering is when it was in Port Rush and they got Keegan Bradley over and I was wondering is this just the one's token American that they're going to get now, but um, hopefully there's a few more. That'd be good. Yeah, I would expect so. I would think I, I would think Rory has that power. I'd say hello, a lot of favors at the end of it, but uh, I think he has. <laughs> I think he has that power to pull a few more names over. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think it should be great. Now we'll see. It'd be lovely to see Mickelson over, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, that's kind of guys. I think, I, I think, I, I think Fowler was probably an easy one because Fowler loves the links golf as well. Yeah, and they both um, they both so played probably the easy one. Yeah, and they both played Walker Cup in 2007 together. The, um, on the same golf course. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know whether they played. No, actually, sorry, I was going to say they played together, but actually, um, they, they ended up, uh, I thought they might have played together in singles, but it was actually Billy Horschel, um, that, um, Billy Horschel and, played and, Rory. Ended up, and ended up playing Rory. And actually, there was a bit of, bit of stuff going around that, uh, Rory, um, Rory played Billy Horschel and he got really annoyed at Horschel's antics. You know, he's so excited on the golf course. So when they played the singles, McIlroy was really annoyed with Horschel's mm. behavior, uh, cause he'd given it all, like, on bananas, all kind of cracks. So there was a bit of history. Now that's been smoothed out since. But, um, That's why I'd love to see Billy Horschel in the, the Ryder Cup. Oh, I think he'd be brilliant yeah. for it. Definitely. Yeah, it was a big opportunity to miss not having him. Uh, and yourself and Horschel are good, are good friends now. Oh yeah, that's what I said. I think it's, it's, it's in the past, you know. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, um. Yeah, yeah. it looks and hopefully we'll be bringing you very regular news about more pros adding their names to the Irish Open next year. I, I can't wait. And yeah. I think we should, we should really try and get up there for a day or two. Definitely. We'll get on to them and see if they give us a free, free round test ed for the podcast. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the way to do it. Now it's interesting that we mentioned that, uh, we'd like to see, uh, Phil come over for it. And obviously we didn't mention Tiger. And I think that probably reflects Tiger's probably lack of popularity. And it's funny that that lack of popularity, particularly with the media, has come back to haunt him because, uh, the Dan Jenkins wrote an article for Golf Digest 
and he wrote and I, did you I think you put it on the Twitter uh, mm. and he it's basically a fake interview that himself uh, between himself and Tiger and um, I mean it's obviously I think he was only doing a bit of jest probably a small bit to wind Tiger up but there's a couple of bits and pieces that um, he mentioned uh, Dan Jenkins said as a part of the, this fake interview he said you might not recall this but in 2001 after you had won six majors I predicted you'd win 24 and Tiger the fake Tiger's response was I was on a roll man everybody predicted it and but then Dan Jenkins went on to say you know what you want to know the real reason I did you had no competition aside from Phil Mickelson and Ernie Els the guys who finished second to you were people like Tom Kite Sergio Thomas Bjorn Bob May David Duval Christian Marco Colin Montgomery Woody Austin Sean McKeel and Rock Immediate and the fake Tiger's response is that's not a bad list <laughs> and then your man goes yeah right that's why that's why I've been so busy keeping up with all their majors and so anyway he goes on to have a bit of a go at him so and then since then Tiger's people have been on writing a, a, a letter uh, looking for recall uh, or recourse and apologies on the back of this and saying that it was in bad taste and stuff like that so what do you guys think about it? Do you think it's just what you do about nothing, or do you think Dan Jenkins stepped over the line? Well, I think it's on the. I think I haven't seen it, but apparently it's on the front of Golf Digest in big, big letters saying this is a fake interview. Yeah. So you know, I think it was just a bit of crack. I just find I, I just think it's it's funny the way Tiger's writing those letters um, on something pretty harmless when the stuff that was written about him a few years ago yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably a, a thousand times worse than that yeah yeah and uh, and, you're, and you didn't hear a peep from him although I suppose those things were all true but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I, yeah I think it's kind of I think he's blown it out of proportion a bit yeah. I can see I, uh, I can kind of see where he's coming from but jeez I, I don't think there was any need to write a letter on it no, I, I I thought it was a bit of fun. I think there is a small bit of venom by Jenkins, uh, Jenkins because uh, apparently Jenkins and Tiger have a have a bit of a history together already. But also, I think um, I think it's down to the fact that Tiger is so bad with the media and gives so little mm. time and so bland. And so I think he's kind of brought a bit of it on himself, you know. I, I, like ironically, it's brought out the probably the most open and honest media communication from Tiger ever because he he wrote his own response to it through uh, I think Derek Jeter's website the Players Tribune yeah and uh, he kind of addressed it all I mean look the, the article is actually quite funny I laughed at I it quite it was, a lot of yeah. stuff it was a good parody I mean I think Tiger really only has himself to blame for what he has been mocked over because of all the things he's done you know and the the stereotypes that have built up around him like not tipping people yeah. and you know, one of the photos they took was, uh, the, you know, a fake tiger was an actor dressed up as tiger beside the Cadillac Escalade, which is yeah. the car he crashed in when all the, everything was going down back, yeah. back a few years ago. And he was slagging off your man. One of your man's questions was, why haven't you fired Steiny? Um, actually, that was one of the other questions he said is, um, why does everyone have a nickname? You know, why is Steiny and all this kind of stuff? But he said, why haven't you fired Steiny, by the way? Because you fired everybody else. Three gurus, Butch, Hank, Sean Foley, two caddies, Fluff and Stevie, your first agent, Hughes Norton, Hughes, Hughes Norton, who made you rich before you'd won anything. Other millions. And uh, he goes, I'll probably get around it. I like to fire people. It gives me something to do when I'm not shaping my shots. But then he goes on to say, you must have fired Marco. Did, don't hear much about him days. He goes, who? He goes, Marco Mira, your old buddy, and he goes, the name sounds familiar. So, 
kind of suggests that maybe himself and uh, Tiger and Almir, who would have been great friends before, uh, that they're not friends anymore, which is, I mean, that's kind of a, probably a, a small bit on the personal side. So, I don't know, kind of, um, there's probably bits and pieces that were release, released in that, you know, so. Yeah, there's probably stuff that kind of gets through under our radar because we don't understand the full yeah. Yeah, back and forth between the two of them. But, look, it's a funny article. Yeah. It was, it's, it's 110% obvious that it's a fake and it's a parody and it's satire and it, it's actually pretty well done. I, I laughed, so I mean, I'm going to put that down as a good article and yeah. give us another one, please. I, I'd like to see a few more parody articles for other pros. Definitely. A Phil Nicholson one would be brilliant. Yeah. I was just about to say, if Gop Digest had any, any sort of balls now, they'd do a monthly one on Tiger, a monthly parody on Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. That's like the, you know, there's a great Twitter account, I think it's at fake Poulter, at fake Ian Poulter, and it's, it's, it's all just outrageous tweets, you know, is it the guy posing as Poulter? Yeah, it's a very, it? very funny account. Cool, I've never seen that, we'll give, it, we'll give it a check it out. Okay, moving on anyway, um, we're just looking back to next week's, or last week's tournament. Um, and I think, again, it was great to see that the, the main event was on in, in Europe. Um, Brooks Kepka was the winner of the Turkish Airlines Open uh, by the Ministry of Youth and Sport. And for me, I must say, I really, really enjoyed this uh, this tournament. And it was another, actually two in a row, great, uh, great events with um, really good finishes. And Poulter is probably slightly kicking himself, Barry, that... Um, that he didn't win this one, really. He kind of, he had it in his own hands, but just threw it away a bit. Yeah, oops. Uh, on moving day, he moved the wrong direction yeah, with a 75, yeah. and he let everybody back in. He was yeah. six clear, I think, after the first two rounds. Mm. Um, had a terrible day, by all accounts. Uh, couldn't knock snow off a rope on Saturday. And managed to get a 75. Yeah, he, shot, was, he played terribly. Like, he was all over the place. Yeah, it's a strange one. And, well, to be fair to him, came back and shot 67 on Saturday, and... Got beaten by a better round on the day. Brooks Kepka threw in a sixty-five, and mm. it's, it's, it's going to have to do very well to beat a sixty-five. Kepka, I think Poulter was bullying with himself on the Saturday because he said he had a wedge in his hand on the thirteenth or fourteenth or something, and he hit a tree and he ended up making a double. Mm. And he was saying, and that was it. He said, like, it's inexcusable for him to be any any further than twenty feet away with the wedge. Um, so, and that was obviously the difference. That was the two shots there that he lost to to Kepka. He was also he was also a bit hot under the collar on uh, Saturday. Um, he had a bit of a go at the referees as well because they were playing a bit slow. Um, he was playing. Oh, who was he playing with? Uh, he was playing with Levy, I think it was. And Levy on one of the holes drove it into the trees. Went up, found about twenty golf balls, but didn't find his one. Had to go all the way back to the tee. And then they were put on the clock. And Poulter, actually, I don't know if you noticed, Poulter was taking a lot of time on his putts. Mm, so Poulter wasn't playing the quickest anyway, and they put him on the clock. Um, but apparently they don't tell you if you're on the clock. And what happens is they just drive up behind you. And Poulter said, oh, well, if you guys are there, I presume I'm on the clock now, am I? And I think they said, yeah, you are. And he goes, well, it would be nice if you told me all this kind of stuff. Turned around to them. So... This was in the middle of the round that he was playing quite poor, so I, I, I he was definitely under pressure time-wise. Um, I think he kind of lost ahead a bit because then his golf games seemed to unravel a bit, you know. So it's the way he is, though. He's been, yeah. you know, he's, he's hot or cold, and yeah. he, yeah, unfortunately, went very cold that day. But I mean, look, two two great weeks in a row from now. Was he sixth and then second? And mm. obviously, I, 
Titleist clubs are Titleist must be loving this. Like he switches equipment and straight away he's playing awesome. I saw his um, I saw his putt on eighteen live, but I didn't actually see a replay. Did did he yoink it? Did he? Oh, I think he pulled it. Yeah, yeah, it looked yeah. like it. Did you? But did you he see? Did you see that? So he had to birdie the last hit, drive three wood, missed the three wood, 40, 45 yards right, but yeah. he was in the bunker, had a long bunker shot out with him. That's a great bunker shot. Played a great bunker mm-hmm. shot, yeah. But did you see the bit then? The Westwood had the exact same putt. Westwood is about. Yeah, Westwood, to me, looked like he was inside him. He was. That's what I was about to say, yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, Poulter would have been standing on his, on his marker, I think, which oh, is probably the logic, but, I, mm. but I'd say Westwood was. Happy to help him out there with time. Oh, definitely, yeah, exactly. It would be kind of like, I'd say the same way if it was, you know, Harrington and Lowry and one was helping the other, they, they'd do it. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that Westwood made the putt, gave him the line, and then yeah, yeah. and then Poulter missed it. I think he definitely pulled it. It was a poor start. Yeah, it looked like he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, that was a bit of a disappointing him. Let's talk about Kepka. He, he won the tournament. <laughs> Kepka was very impressive, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I thought his his putting was outstanding on the final day. He made mm. so many putts. Yeah. Uh, I thought I, I thought the turning point for him was the one on ten, where he it went he in. Hit a, he hit a drive into the bunker and then he, he pitched up to about forty feet and then just rammed one in. And the putter like it was probably going about six or seven feet past as well. It would have gone back into the bunker. It was going so fast. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um and the one thing I thought that he you know, I don't know who actually interviewed from Sky, but. They asked him what was the shot really for him that did it, and he said it was his hybrid shot. I don't know what hole it might have been in around the thirteen, was it? Yeah, thirteen. And he said, "Oh, I had two. I think I might have retweeted this. Actually, he said, "Oh, I had two five five, maybe two sixty, and I had a hybrid in, and I had to take a little bit <laughs> off it." I was like, "Did I hear that right?" He said he actually had to take a little bit off it. Now I was assuming it was a seventeen degree hybrid because I know there's a couple of guys in Carton that are like plus handicaps and they have this the really low hybrid so I was like oh well maybe if it's the equivalent of one orange you could maybe understand it don't tell me it's over 20 degrees it's a 20 and a half degree <laughs> hybrid and he and he had to he choked down on it to go to, oh my god because it would have been too long his arms so are like, so what it's basically a three iron probably maybe even a four I would say it's, yeah, it's about a three iron yeah because uh, I have a 20 yeah so actually I have a 21 degree and I hit it 190 yards so he must hit his 280 if he goes full out at it. But his arms are as thick as your legs. Like he yeah. is a big guy. He's a big guy up and really strong up top and hammers the ball. I actually heard someone today, actually, uh, one of the guys actually over in William Hill saying that he reckons that Brooks Kepke is going to be a top 10 player in the world this time next year. Which I thought was. Kepke seems to think he will be himself. He had a bit of the Patrick Reeds going on afterwards when he said. <laughs> He said when he's on his game, he thinks he's he's a match for anybody. Now I think he said it in a very humble way. Yeah. Um, but he certainly believes himself that he's good enough, to, by the sounds of it, to be certainly a top ten player. At this stage of his career, he has proved himself at every level he's gone through. Yeah. You know, and he's and he's done. A, he's put a great progression in. You know, he came over here to Europe to earn his way through the tours. He did the Challenge Tour because the the Q School was changing in the states. He's you know, earned his way onto the European Tour, and now he's got you know he's earned his way into the race to Dubai and stepped on it and won a big tournament. And I mean, this gets him into everything. It's got him into the top fifty. It's got him into the all the WGCs and majors next year. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a superb golfer, and 
I don't see. Expect to see um, a few more lads now from the Crazy Golf World Championship starting to break through on tour. Yeah. <laughs> After you mentioned it last week, that, uh, <laughs> even the Crazy Golf guys come in on the Challenge Tour. <laughs> um, we must get one of those guys on for now an interview and just get the insights to the Crazy Golf Championships. <laughs> I think we should let Alan interview them one on one. After letting them listen to his comments about the yeah, Challenge Tour, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Um, well. We've obviously talked a good bit about the European Tour event, and I, I, I for one think we probably won't be spending much time on Maya Koba because I think it's probably it's, I think it's fair to say that this definitely isn't the prime time for the PGA Tour at the moment. And personally, now I didn't end up end up watching any of the Maya Koba. Charlie Hoffman, Hoffman won by one shot over Sean Stefani. Uh, he shot sixty six on Sunday to win it. Um, I suppose the one point of note really. Um, for Hoffman Barry is that he gets a spot in the Masters. Yeah, nice. It's, mm. And it's so funny because last week Sanders and Farms Nick Taylor doesn't get a spot in the Masters. And yeah. you know, I'd argue that the field in the Sanderson was actually better than the field in this one. It's yeah. uh, it's just a really strange situation. And this was a glorified or you know a high high end web dot com kind of level of uh, event of the caliber of players that were playing. He gets you know he went out and did the business when it when it mattered and won a spot in the Masters and. I just think it's funny that you know Brooks Kepka wins over in the Turkish Airlines Open in the one of the final four events of the European Tour mm. season against the top eighty of the European Tour for the year. Very strong field, and he doesn't get an automatic spot in the Masters. Yeah. You know, as it happens, his performance gets him inside the top yeah. fifty, and off he goes. But uh, it's uh, it's just unusual. Like last week has no spot. This week does have a spot in the PGA Tour, and um, to be honest, these these events are kind of a bit weak, and it's. It's not great viewing for us. I actually watched a recording of the Turkish Airlines Open when this was on playing live. I didn't really interested yeah, in yeah. watching it, so um, maybe it's a good time for them to be wrapping up. You know, there's the, a the couple of the exhibition events coming up now. The the challenge matches, the Lake Nona, the Isleworth match coming up. And Tiger making a return. Yeah. Um, back back in Hawaii, then in January, it's good. You know, yeah, it kicks it off nicely. I think the Tiger event is worth looking forward to. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll come on to the, the, this week's golf anyway uh, later on. Um, in ter- okay, I'm going to move on and just give an update on the top 200 because we have now reached the final week of the top 200 competition, which we've, we've run from the start of the year. And personally, I think it's been a fantastic competition, very enjoyable. Um, probably helps when you're sitting fourth on the table and <laughs> you're not 18th, Alan, or 26th, Barry. Oh, I dropped the spot. Nice. Uh, 26th. Well, yes. it was 25th last week. Yes, so. uh, yeah, you've actually gone backwards. All so. I heard there is Alan won, Barry two. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, it's the final week, and kind of in a similar way to the whole race to Dubai, um, uh, is wrapped up for um, for Rory. It's down to two players, so everyone else is gone. Well, actually, sorry, there's a couple of exceptions. I'll basically give the top five. So Shane McKiernan's coming in at two four seven, and he's forty ahead of sixth place. So it's kind of top five have, have kind of escaped a bit from the field. I'm in at two thirty. James English is two two nine. Martin Sacombe is in at two o eight, and Matt Ward is one nine five. So for people who haven't listened at the who haven't, who haven't heard this before, at the start of the year. Uh, we all had to pick players who were combined greater than 200 to 1. So a European Tour player and a PGA Tour player. 200 in the golf rank, world sorry, golf rankings. Sorry, yeah, 200 to, uh, yeah. outside the top 200 in the, in the golf rank. So you obviously your team started with a minimum score of um, 401. So Matt is at 195 and Martin is 208. So it's been, those are some quite good picks. 
So it's coming down to the last two guys, and uh, Matt has uh, Will McKenzie, and the PGA Tour doesn't have an event this year. It's the web.com uh, Q schools. So Will McKenzie isn't playing, and he also has uh, um, Eduardo Molinari. Martin Sacom has Robert Carlson, and he also has Molinari. So it's really coming down to Robert Carlson. And what it means uh, for Martin is he needs to see a top 10 finish from Carlson to get enough for Carlson to get enough world ranking points for him to pass out Matt I will qualify that though by saying that um, their every week points tend to can sometimes drop off and you might pick up one or two but we there's a guy on Twitter at uh, Nosferatu A-N-O-S-F-E-R-A-T-U who is one of the world rankings gurus so he reckons for Carlson to make up enough uh, world ranking points for Martin to capture Matty, we reckon he needs to be top 10. But I'd say just to be safe, you probably want to see a top 8. Mm. So Matty, you should be getting out your Will Mc- or sorry, your Robert Carlson voodoo doll uh, pretty much straight away. Um, Who else? Mo- Mo- Brian Mulvihill has a little chance with Terrell Hatton. Maybe if Terrell Hatton gets a win this week, you know, he's coming from 6th place. Um, 287. Yes. Yeah, it might work. Yeah, it's I'm sorry. Shot. So uh, Brian Mulville, if, if Tyrrell Hatton wins, might do. He has to go from two eight seven to one nine five. Uh, Dear Paddy uh, needs Hoey to probably win. He's at three oh three to one nine five. Not too sure. And then down in twenty fifth, uh, he's at total points of five nine nine compared to Maddie's one nine five. He has Eddie Pepperell. I don't think even a win would get him up, but Eddie Pepperell is playing this week, so I don't know if that'll make a difference. But really, it's Martin Sacom needs Robert Carson top ten. Dear Paddy probably needs Howie to win, and then I think that's it's done for the rest of us. So um, yeah, so that's just it'll be interesting one to keep an it's eye out. Good fun, yeah. I'd say there will be plenty of Twitter banter between Matty and Martin over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah Matty needs to go and stick twenty quid on Carson top ten. That's yeah, a good idea. It's a good shout, yeah. And again, uh, we've probably mentioned this loads, but the uh, the prize is a four ball in Carton House uh, for the winner. So they get to go down there and, and play a free round of golf on either the, the Montgomery or the O'Meara course. So next week is our final episode, so we'll come back and we'll, we'll give the answer to that. But I suppose you'll all know pretty much by Sunday evening what who, who the winner is. Um, so we'll come back to that next week. Um, so moving on. This week, um, we, and we mentioned, we touched on it last week, um, is our first week where we are starting up our uh, alliance with Gary Cullen, uh, the professional in American Golf, Dundrum and American Golf, and Gary have been very good to bring us in and give us a bit of a look at some of the new equipment and give us the overview of it. So this week, Barry went out to meet Gary, and uh, we, you went through the G30 this week, Barry, so... What we'll do is, first of all, uh, I'm just going to play you back the recording from uh, Barry and Gary, who were talking through the G30, and, and then we'll have a quick chat about it afterwards. Good morning, Gary. Morning, Barry. You're very welcome to American Golf. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. We've come down to American Golf Dundrum, which uh, for listeners is on Unit 4 in the Frankfurt Centre, not too far away from Dundrum Town Centre, which everybody in Dublin will be familiar with. Yeah, it's just straight down the road from the Dundrum Shopping Centre, just past the Nissan Garage on the left-hand side. Just to catch our listeners up about our great news, going to go into a bit of a partnership with American Golf to oh, test great. some equipment. 
well, do a little bit of promotion of American Golf Dundrum at the same time as well and t- tell our listeners where they can come to get their golf gear. Yeah, in American Golf Dundrum, we do a free fitting for every customer that comes in the door, whether it's irons, woods, wedges, putters. And then for the likes of Christmas, we always have little hampers and packages there ready to go and all the staff here are very friendly and willing to talk to you about pretty much anything that you need to get right. Yeah, brilliant. So today we uh, we decided to kick things off with, well, place where most pe- amateurs would kick off and testing a driver out yeah. a, a new one to the market one that's pretty uh, much in the news recently since Bubba won the WGC HSBC champions at the weekend with his pink version of it the yeah. G30 Ankel Cabrera won the very first week the G30 was launched dream for a manufacturer yeah. you came in there with a driver which wasn't fitted I'll just give you a few specs of your own driver your club head speed was very good at 108 your launch angle was 8.8. That's uh, a bit low then, is it? It's slightly low. Pretty much what you're always looking for is that in between sort of 12 to 14, 15, anything in around there. So if you get more launch angle and less spin rate, that's where you're going to get the maximum distance out of a golf ball. You were using a 10.5 driver with a stiff flex. Your spin rate was 1,689, and your total distance you got out of it was 255. When we went down to the Ping G30, the fastest club head speed that you generated with the G30 was 114 mile an hour. So that's the that's those turbulators doing exactly yeah, what they're the saying. The turbulators in by increasing your club head speed. Yeah, most certainly, and that's a huge jump for the likes of the turbulators. And most people will pick up a fair bit of club head speed just by the turbulators alone. Your launch angle was brilliant at 14.4. I did up you by 0.5 a degree to 11 degree. You were using the Ping Tour Shaft, the 65S. Your spin rate was perfect nearly at 2,235, and your total distance actually came out at 295 yards. So it's a 40-yard gain. 40-yard gain. Which is which is not too bad for no. uh, one morning's work. Not even a full <laughs> morning now. It was, this was uh, a half an hour, 40 minutes, and I've got 40 yards. And It just shows you when you get the right specs and the right shafts to a club that actually does its job properly, you get the best distance and the most accuracy out of it. Yeah, and I must must add in like we, I hit a lot of shots. I hit a lot of bad ones. That's you know the swing is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But even my poor ones with the G30 were as good as my well, good we, ones with my own driver. Yeah, we worked it out there that uh, your bad ones with the G30 went two five two five four against your your own driver which was your best one at 255 so there was one yard of a difference so I could nearly swing the G30 with my eyes closed and hit, hit as well as I can with my own wood and as you know Barry golf is not about your good shots it's about the bad ones if you improve the bad ones that's where you're going to improve your game absolutely yeah the setup here is fantastic they have a nice big driving bay they have a wonderful launch monitor the store is nice and big they literally have everything you could what possibly want and I've noticed that you guys have just started a big kind of Christmas promotion Christmas as promotion well. promotion is now just kicked off and we're getting everything ready, which we, we pretty much have everything ready. And we have the facility for custom fitting. I'm here all the time. If any of your listeners want to pop in for a free custom fit, just get in touch. We'll organise a free fitting for them. And that would be the best thing to do, to book, book a time yeah, for fitting, yeah. I, we're pretty busy in here when it comes to fitting, so I, you'd really need to book in with me we're pretty flexible when it comes to times I'll walk around everyone you're so open late on Thursdays as well late on seven thirty, half 7 and Sunday we're open from 12 to 6 and then every other day 9 to 6 so we'll always get everyone sorted out at the end of the day brilliant okay for any of our listeners who want to give American Golf a follow on Twitter it's at AG Dundrum 
Yeah. So give them a follow. They all have got some really cool content on there and yeah. plenty of special offers as well for the store. If you want to follow myself at, at Gar75, again, I'll throw in a free custom fit or a free lesson to whoever's out there. Well, you can't beat that offer at all. So don't forget that at Gar75, G-A-R-75, and yeah. you've a free custom fitter lesson here in American Golf Dun Drum. Well, look, Gary, thanks a million for today, and we really look forward to testing out some more clubs and seeing can we uh, get over the 300 yard at some stage, maybe. No problem. Maybe, a, maybe a lesson will actually get me over the 300 yard before the technology well, will. We'll, we'll work on something there, Barb, but you swing the club very well, and as you can see, what technology can actually do to somebody if you have the right club in your hand, and we'll definitely be working on something with more other clubs and testing everything out and making sure that all your followers know exactly what's going on out there compared to new clubs and what they do and what they don't do outstanding yeah well for anyone who doesn't know the ping website it's ping.com and you go check out those g30s there 40 yards is nothing to be sneezed at and certainly that'll help lower the handicap and we'll get down here and try one out for yourselves i think you'll be convinced to buy one very quickly and put it put it underneath the tree for christmas <laughs> cheers gary thanks very much barry that was very, uh, very interesting, Barry. I must say, uh, very interesting to listen uh, to the uh, just to the talk around the G30, and it really seemed to make a difference to your game as well. Uh, kind of scary, yeah, yeah, almost surreal. The kind of computer game differences. I mean, ultimately, it ended up being a, a forty-yard gain over my own driver, which is it's kind of disgusting. Yeah, um, that could have been the reason why I've been held back from getting to single figures this year, but. Yeah, so it ends up being an average of about 40 yards in difference uh, over my own driver. My, uh, I thought the one thing that really interested me was I never thought that the, the design of a club head would have any real impact on my swing speed. And uh, my swing speed went up by six miles an hour. Mm. And this, this kind of has to, I mean, you can look, you have to look at the turbulators, a little bit of tech, kind of, so it's really hard to explain what they are, like little, like little, little shark fans, fins or yeah, something yeah. On, on the, the, head of the driver and it was a, the club was designed in a wind tunnel my swing speed went up by six miles an hour which is i mean even one mile an hour swing speed i think equates to about three yards they say so yeah, it's, yeah. so you've a little bit of that a little bit of the club face and the shaft as well i mean it felt an awful lot more balanced in my you know throughout my whole swing than my own club um got me be- got me better numbers better launch angle um better ball speed better spin rate and it was an awful lot less erratic than my own driver. So, um, all in all, like yeah, very, very, very worthwhile experience and extremely encouraging for me to open my wallet and, and buy a new driver. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I'm a big believer, I must say, in getting fitted. I think anyone who's spending a bit of money on a new driver should absolutely, definitely get it fitted. And I think the one thing I took from it is that your old driver was obviously horrendously fitted for you and now i know you never got it fit i but bought it off the shelf yeah so mm. it was a terrible fit for you because the stats for your old driver like not only are you missing out on um you know missing out in, in distance but you're also missing out in accuracy so that was yeah. you know so it was that you had the wrong shaft like i don't know how you didn't play to about 28 handicap this season uh, with that driver <laughs> it's just you know, massive amount of talent and absolute fear of alan abusing me on a weekly basis i think kept me motivated to, yeah, yeah. to shooting some low numbers yeah it's gary was saying that the driver i have i mean the driver i have is a tailor-made or 11s and he said the the head of that is designed for very very 
low RPM like spin rate off the club face. So the whole idea of that is that you're just launching it really, really high. So it kind of flies like a knuckleball almost, you know, a baseball but very little spin. Um, and I, I'm just not getting that. There, a lot is down to my own swing as well because I was attacking the ball with a descending strike when you're supposed to be hitting the ball with the driver on the up. So Gary, to be fair to him, had a couple of fantastic tips and mm. uh, things for me to work on. And with almost immediate effect, I started getting to you know to being hitting the ball flat and then started to hit it on the up. So that's something for me to work on. But I think ultimately I will need to get a custom fit for a driver yeah, to, yeah. To, to kind of to tie it all in. So um, I tell you, we'll never get a sponsorship from TaylorMade now because that driver sounds like a rubbish, a rubbish one that you have. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a frightening, it's a frightening difference in the distance. That forty yards, like yeah. when I go, anytime I go to get tested for a driver, geez, if I can squeeze seven or eight yards out of a new driver, I'd be delighted. Never mind forty. But I think, though, Alan, are you going from? A driver that you would like, you've already been fitted to yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going from a driver that's built basically for my swing, so like, I, you know, you know, the incremental gains are quite small, but like, still, it, 40 yards just doesn't stack up. But, but do you not think as well that there's probably a lot of the golfing population, population out there, and probably even some of our listeners? who don't have a driver that's fitted for them, mm. and that if no, they of course, yeah. and if they went to see Gary and uh, down in American Golf Dundrum and went through the same fitting that they could see similar you know quite, results quite um, quite 100% yeah, yeah. yeah I agree and, and, and to be honest it's always going to be the higher handicappers yeah um, the lower handicappers are the ones that will always have their clubs fitted for them because they're maxim- like they're, they're down low because they're maximising what they can get out of their game mm. so it's the guys up around uh, over 12 13 handicaps and up but I, don't think, I think anybody like the, difference, the difference something like that would make like 40 yards to your game Barry and improved accuracy geez the shots would fall off your handicap with that yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's not, it's not just, I mean, I, I'm sure there are people out there who, who got to single figures and, and aren't custom fit, and that could shave a few shots off their game, you know, for irons and woods. Sorry for trying, sorry for cutting across there, Alan, just very eager to say how, how crucial it seems to, to, to actually get custom fit and have the club fitted for your swing type, your, your swing speed, and, and it, it felt so much, it's felt so balanced, and it's just felt an awful lot more like I could, I could hit better shots and gave me a lot of confidence. I'd love to go out and play with your Taylor Mayberry for six months, and uh, I'd say my handicap would go from four to probably eight <laughs> in those six months. Well, look, I mean, if anyone from Taylor Made is listening, we're not trying to destroy you here. You guys never had a chance to fit me. If you guys want to fit me, um, <laughs> give give us a shout and bring Barry along, and let's see what Taylor Made has to offer. In well, I think shafts. In, well, I think in fairness, I'd say with um, just we're going to be talking to American Golf Dundrum over the mm. coming coming uh, weeks and coming months, and I know that Taylor Made have a new driver out or fifteen as well. So it would be interesting to see. If Gary gets it in, if he would be able to fit you for the R15, mm. try out the different shafts and then compare your R15 stats to the G30, uh, which that could be very interesting. Yeah, I can't wait till we start building up a few kind of mm. comparisons of all the new stuff out. Yeah. So the the 915, I'm hoping to get to test, test those now this weekend. Yeah, uh, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, and uh, as we all know, like I love Titleist. We all love Titleist particularly, yeah. but I'm 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 going into these with as open a mind as possible. Yeah, and yeah. um, at the moment, if the G30 
you know, it's the first one there in, in a line of drivers I'm going to try it because I do need to buy a custom pit driver. So it's it scored very well so far, but I need to compare it to others to see how we get along. But uh, definitely, I mean, look, as Gary said, um, if you if you want to give American Golf Dundrum a follow, it's at AG Dundrum, and yeah. um, give Gary himself a follow, it's at Gary75. If you do that, you can go down and get a free custom fitting session with them. Um, they've also been very kind as to offer the first five listeners who show up to American Golf Dundrum and purchase a G30 will get a 10% discount. Now, in order to do that, you need to follow American Golf Dundrum on Twitter and show it to them there in the shop. Mm. But yeah, you'll get a, you know, you'll get Gary's time and expertise, custom fit for a driver, and um, you will be hitting the same club as Bubba Watson. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, great fun. Get along there to American Golf yeah. Dundrum, and uh, the guys will help you out for your own game and for uh, Christmas presents as well. Yeah, I mean, just uh, just for me, just to wrap up the thing is, I would have always definitely st- stuck to uh, the, the title thing, but I definitely tell you would consider a, a G30 after listening to that and listening to the impact. So, uh, for me, I'd definitely give it a try, and, and hopefully in the new year, I might get out to Gary myself and... Give give it a give it a whirl and try a few of them out, you know. So we recommend everyone to get down and, and, and go see Gary. Very nice guy and very good with his time. And thanks to American Golf uh, and Dundrum for that. So anyway, moving on. Um, this weekend, this week in golf, we don't have much in the states. There's a couple of bits of Q school with European Tour Q schools gone on at the moment. Um, Barry in the PGA Catalonian Resort, which. Actually, won the Tour Resort of the Year in the aforementioned awards that we mentioned at the start. Um, and there's one round left, isn't there? One round left, yep. So, a couple of little quick stories from that. Uh, yesterday, John Han from the States shot 58. Um, and making 12 birdies and 6 pars. And this is on the Tour course, so it's a, the harder of the two. Um, unfortunately, John went out and shot 20 shots worse today with a 78. So, uh, that has left him in a tough spot to try and make it a Tour card tomorrow. The three Irish guys are going quite that are still in the running are going quite well. Uh, Peter Laurie is one off getting a tour card, and Kevin Phelan and Simon Thornton are two shots off getting a tour card. So they just need uh, one good day tomorrow, and they have uh, full playing rights in the European Tour next year. Is it just me, Alan, or I don't know if you've seen Peter Laurie is one shot outside the qualifying? Is it just me, or does it really feel that Peter Laurie is just going to miss out by one shot, or he's going to come very close and he's just going to miss? He just seems to be having one of those years. Yeah, it's set up for an epic heartbreak on yeah. the last, I'd say. Because I know he, that guy that you hear a story about who had a four-foot putt to make his card. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of it's, worried. It's, it's, it's actually set up kind of, it's, it's the, the three Irish lads are right on the bubble there. There, hmm. You fear you fear for one of them that one of them's going to have something bad happen to them, but um, I'd say it's horrible. It must be horrendous, like, just the pressure, I'd say, of those two rounds, especially for a guy like Peter Laurie, who's who's getting on a bit now and that the tour card's crucial. And he has family and kids. Like Kevin Phelan has, you know, he has a good family behind him and he has a good setup. and I think he could he could get by on, on the challenge tour but I think it's uh, kind of worry for Peter Laurie and I remember, uh, for, again, for people who haven't heard before but we did a very good interview with Gary Murphy. Uh, he, was, he, he came on and talked to us and he was saying that, you know, and we, we didn't actually mention Shane Lowry over the weekend but, he was saying, oh, people having a putt to win a tournament, you know, that's nothing in the pressure because you're still going to pick up second prize and, you know, in the States you're getting 600 grand. Whereas the guy on the final day of Q school has a putt to keep to keep his card, 
that's real pressure, you know. So I think that's we're going to be seeing a few of those puts and a few of those pressure points now tomorrow. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Like that's just no. got to be brutally tough to deal with. And this is six. There's six round in a row, like six days in a row. So it's a real mental and physical test uh, on top of the the pressure of trying to hold that one putt that might make the difference. Mm. And in the States, I just briefly mentioned, we've no PGA Tour event, but the main event this week is the web.com Q-School. So this is Q-School for the second mm. uh, tier tour in the States. And I think that will probably take up a lot of the coverage in the US. I don't think we're going to get any of it. I, I wouldn't say there'd be over too much demand for it anyway. No, I don't think so. But uh, they're, they're the second stage at the moment, so there's three venues in play this week. And it's the top 18 from each of the venues gets through to the final stage. So... And if you get through to the final stage, you do get a sort of conditional status and you get a chance, you know, if the 50 players on the web.com tour get their PGA Tour card in the following year, so it'll be the 2015, 2016 season after a good year on the web.com next year. So this is the way you get onto the PGA Tour now. Unless you sneak into a tournament via an invite and win the tournament. So, mm. we've one Irish guy over there at the moment, Seamus Power. So, he just shot a 68 on day one. So, he's tied fourth. So, um, all the best to yeah. Seamus in his pursuit to get to the final stage. Cool, cool. Um, I've never even heard of Seamus before. So, but best of luck to him anyway. <laughs> um, and anyway, no doubt about it. The main event this week is the DP World Tour Championship. Um, the race to the is already won by McElroy. Um, um, but it's a absolutely cracking field pretty much all the top guys in Europe and they're all playing for the bonus pot which goes out to the top 15 so it's all the guys you'd expect McElroy, Stenson, Garcia, Rose, Donaldson, McDowell, Keimer, Westwood, Poulter and the list goes on it's all the top guys Brooks Kep gets back again um, and it's kind of a, a, a game given our usual we talked with Shane Lowry needed to get top 50 last week and he had a bad bad Sunday when things went wrong for him and missed out but he needs a tied 13th to get into the top 50 as of um, at the end of this tournament. Now. That's a different kind of pressure as well. I mean, that's probably more pressurized for him than trying to win a tournament. Because it's kind of fulfilling a lifelong dream of getting into the top 50 and you get the Masters and you get all the the bells and whistles that go with that top 50. Yeah, and I think he said it's absolutely wrecking his head as well at the yeah. moment, the, this whole top 50 thing. It's only a 60-man field as well, so... Yeah, like... Top, top 13 in a 60-man field, half of them probably out of form. Yeah. you, you got to fancy he's probably got a reasonable chance of doing it. And he's in good, he's in good form himself. He's in good, he's in good, Nick, yeah. 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 So that's, that's, I, you got to think, I, I would think it's probably a 50-50 shot for him. And this course uh, favours long hitters as well normally, doesn't it? I would, based on the winners over previous years, you would probably think so. Stenson and McElroy and these guys, you yeah. would think it's... It, yeah, it certainly favours guys with distance off the tee. Yeah, so it's a, it's a big long course. It's over 7,600 yards. But the good news is it's playing firm and fast and it's been hot and sunny and dry for the last while and it's going to be like that over the weekend. So, um, you know, I don't. I think, you know, Stenson won around there last year playing mostly at three wood. I mean, he's, a, he's an animal for oh, distance, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's able to put it in play. But um, definitely, you know, the greens are going to be fast and these greens are these greens are pretty epic. You know, lots of big undulations mm-hmm. and sections in them. So you're going to need to have your, your irons firing pretty well this week and you're going to need to be putting very well also to, because the, the winning numbers around here are always... Uh, quite low numbers it's in around 20 under or even yeah. more yeah so it's, makes it makes for exciting viewing though lots of birdies going in and eagles yeah now and I, I think you are right on with um, the long hitters the only thing that they I heard someone mentioning today as well that sometimes though the other players that do 
can actually do well are guys that are very good with their short game. So, for example, example Luke Donald has actually gone ninth, third, third, fifth in his last time. And he's not a bomber, but they say, and again, Poulter, who would be similar, he wouldn't be that long, but he actually, he's had a couple of seconds there. And it's down to, you have to have a very good short game if you mm. don't have, have the length. So it's, it's kind of one or the other that, that you require. So it should be, uh, should be a very good event. Anyone having a bet? I'm having two bets. Oh yeah? I haven't had a bet since the Ryder Cup, so yeah. I said, might as well go out in a blaze of glory. Finish off the season in style. Yeah, I'm gonna have a small little bet on Miko Illinan at 80 to 1. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking uh, of him. He's a big price, I think, for a guy who won only five weeks ago. Mm. Um, so, and I think he was top 20 there last year or something, so I'm gonna have a little punt on him, and I'm going to go big on Rory at 5 to 1. I was going, I was actually going to ask you that, are you going each way? <laughs> I'm going to go each way. I think he's a big price at five to one, especially when you consider Stenson's fifteen to two. Um, and McElroy, what is? I think he's. I, I read a stat the other day that in the t- something like I can't remember what it was, but it's something like the twenty rounds that he's played there, sixteen of them have been in the sixties or something like that. Um, so he loves the course, and he's been what top five four times in the last five years. And he's with the win, and then the, the one time he was outside the top five was the eleventh. So he obviously likes the course. Now the only thing is he hasn't played in played in about, ten, about eight weeks or something, or less. I don't know. I was going to say a few weeks anyway. I was going to ask you: Do you see that as a positive or a negative? Like he's nice and refreshed, or would you be worried he might have a bit of rust? Yeah, I know. I think it'd be more of a negative um, yeah. than anything. But I think if any, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly worried about McIlroy. The only worry is that maybe he's been off on a bender or something the last few weeks <laughs> and he hasn't been practicing. But I don't know. I think he'd probably want to go out with the win. He's been there for a few, good few days now, kind of practicing, adjusting, getting used to it. And I'd say, I'd say a relaxed Rory McIlroy, the way he's played this year, is just so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Is it top five each way? Top five each way, yeah. So it's a phenomenal week for betting. You know, you. Yes, yeah, so that yeah, that's a big place in a sixty-man field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting better than even money on your place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I was actually going to ask. Yes, that's interesting. Barry, you have a look at Daniel. I have a little long shot of Emiliano Grillo. Uh, he's been playing pretty well recently, so I think it's his first time at this course, which kind of goes against him, but he's been 8th and 11th his last two events in the last three weeks, so obviously swinging quite well, and you know he's kind of free-rolling this week, you know, there's no cut, so give it a bash on a birdie course. I don't know much about him, would he, would he, would he be a long hitter, or... Uh, you keep going there and I'll find out. Okay. <laughs> Silence is gone. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's one to keep an eye on. I, I might follow you as well, Alan and Mick O'Ellen, and I, I, I agree. I think he's the kind of guy, he hits, I, I, I don't have the data, but I think he hits the ball a long way, and he obviously won the Irish Open, he won five weeks ago, so I, I think that's, a, 80 to 1's a big price for him, so I, I'm gonna have just a small couple of euro on him. Grillo averages 293 off the tee, so he's definitely, well long enough. Yeah, yeah, very good. That's and what were you hitting it when you were hitting the G30? Two yards longer. Two yards longer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe we should have a few euro for you in uh, on Dubai <laughs> in the weekend. I say, say Barry's two nine five had a massive big banana hook on it or something like that. <laughs> no, no, it's just one of those frozen rope draws. You know, just barely moves <laughs> off on the shot tracer. Uh, so up the, up the top end of the betting. I would be maybe tempted by Yo Slayton. I know he's had a couple of iffy weeks recently, but his 
Greens and regulation stops the last couple of weeks have been insane. So if we can get the putter working this week, he'll be right up there. Yeah, I'd be worried about people though that aren't putting well. I mean, I think that's the thing is that if it's going to be 20, 24 under, it's going mm. to win. You're going to need to make a lot of putts. But the thing that Mike Gunn's favours, if the long game is working well, he's getting the ball into the right section of the green. These greens are quite sectioned off. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm clutching at straws a little bit here to defend my choice. So have, no, you, no. have you got anyone on your? No, I, 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 you know, I don't. Illinois and yeah, I think I'm just going to have a small, a small bet on Illinois. Uh, Westwood is kind of uh, calling out to me, but I was very disappointed in him last Sunday. His putting was very poor, apart from apart from the putt on the 18th, which he made just for our point. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's 22 to one. Yeah, yeah. the thing about Lee is you always worry about his ability to get over the line in yeah. recent times. So it almost feels like it's just a place bet, you know, that kind of way. That's yeah. just, I think Westwood's just a flat track bully. I think, I think if you put him in good company, I think he struggles. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think I'll go with him, but I just maybe want to just keep an eye on. It's going to be a fun tournament to watch. I'm yeah. really looking forward to sitting down on the couch, and you know, this is this is the last one real big tournament we have until January. So yeah, and I think this is how we're going to we're the European Tour wraps up, and we're going to wrap up next week. We're going to do a bit of a uh, season review, handing out the handing out the the year end uh, gongs. I mean, for the uh, for the end of the season. So um, yeah, so this and I think this is this is one to look forward to. So I think that more or less wraps us up for this week, lads. Um, so I'm just going to leave it uh, just to say thanks to you guys. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. And thanks, we'll uh, so thanks to everyone else for listening. So goodbye. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs> Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.